0: So we did without, but she really knew she did a lot of candy making. She made wonderful divinity. So on a summer night, we'd, she'd make up a batch and then we'd go sit on the back porch and we'd whip it till it looked like divinity. That, my friends, is my sweet mama's voice. And this is Stacy Julian with episode 135 of Exactly Enough Time. From its title, you might think that this is a podcast about productivity. And while I love to get stuff done, Exactly Enough Time is much more about being present. It's about recognizing the time you have and making the most of it. It's about choosing to be playful and living with intention, curiosity, and connection. It's about owning what you love. I love family history and bring in more of whatever that is into your life. I am a life enthusiast and a believer, and in this podcast, I interview interesting people with expertise and solutions. Together, we talk about what they do and why they do it. Listen up. I think you'll find inspiration for living your life and telling your story because you have exactly enough time. podcast day thank you for hitting play (laughs) okay so listen it's been just over a year since my mother connie mcdougall hall passed away and she lived a beautiful long life a life that we celebrated and we continue to celebrate i am so grateful for the time that i had with my mom but let me tell you what's true I am now so, so grateful that I recorded a few short conversations, snippets really, of mom recollecting um, you know, specific memories like she did, um, like the one that I played for you where I just asked her about her mom and the things that her mom prepared in the kitchen and did she have memories of making things with her mom. and. And I just love that I have that, you know, I have the texture of her voice telling me a few of those memories. Those are treasures now to me. Okay, so if you're listening, uh, when I publish this episode, it is the end of October. October is National Family History Month, but it gets better. November is National Family Stories Month. So last week I had on my friend Colette, who is an accredited genealogist, and today I'm bringing you my friend Janine, who is an accredited genealogist. This is so interesting because I ask them both, what do you think the number one thing is I can do? And people like me who love memories and stories, how can we start to dive in with more confidence to our past, to do some family history? Like where should we start? (gasps) Both of them gave the same answer. They recommended that we talk to our oldest living relatives. Okay, this is your weekly reminder now that as the holidays approach, I want you to make plans to talk to your oldest living relatives. And when you do, open up your phone and hit that juicy record button. All right, I'm going to cut to this conversation with Janine Adams, and if you're like me, you're going to walk away with more clarity, truly, about how to move forward with this work and how to feel encouraged and confident. Let's go. Hey, guys, I am already on the line here with Janine Adams and just so excited to finally have taken the action to reach out to her and invite her to come be a guest because she is, she just walks around with a wealth of knowledge and enthusiasm and expertise for, for two things that I love and the way she brings them together is, is just pretty awesome. So hi, Janine.
1: Hey, Stacy, So glad to be here. Well,
0: Janine and I met um, you guys at the Roots Tech a conference which is in Salt Lake City and we met actually right before the world shut down this was in February of 2020 and I got to go teach yeah. a class and um, <clears throat> it was my feeble attempt at telling other people what they should do with their boxes full of family history stuff and you know as I was trying to work through my own first box of family history stuff and, um, and Janine and I just wasn't sure you know you just you get up and you and at least in my case, you do a little fake it till you make it. And you teach people what you think is going to work. And you're pretty sure it's going to work because it's working for you. But anyway, you know, when you finish a presentation, you're just like, oh, I hope that went well. And Janine was such a kind soul. She came up. And as I remember it, basically threw her arms around me and said, that was awesome. And
1: <laughs> I, I, I probably, I probably did. Well, that's how I felt about it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but what I remember was just her, her spirit. She just has this generous spirit and this huge smile. And I just felt like, Oh good. I resonated with one person for sure. But, um, but Janine, I want you to just dump in right here and, and tell my listeners just who you are and what you love. And Okay.
1: Um, well, I'll back up. Though and say, well, I won't back up. I'll say what I love was your talk and the information that you conveyed in it and you continue to convey. So I went to that talk and it blew me away. I wasn't even familiar with your work. And um, I was busy taking notes as somebody who's like, it, you know, thinks a lot about organizing family history stuff. It was just great to hear this really approachable, like something I can get my arms around in terms of dealing with that box. And in fact, I spoke at Roots Tech that year after. It, it, like the following day and i went back to my room and added you to my slide deck it, my talk was on the it was called the imperfect genealogist and it was about letting go of perfectionism in your genealogy and so i thought wow this is people you've got to read this um so I sent something to your website so that they because your your approach to that box is not involved perfection it involves letting go of perfectionism so yeah so i'm all about um the love of family history and organizing your family history because i think for so many people organizing is um organizing the research is the bad part or the worst part of the hard part and I want to help people with that because we don't want to holding them back um, and then I also am all about letting go of perfectionism because I have a podcast called getting to good enough which is about letting go of perfectionism so you can do more of what you love and I, I co-host that with Shannon Wilkinson who's a life coach so yeah. those are the things I think about a lot and then I'm also a professional organizer so my I work with clients in their homes my company we go in and help people create order in their homes
0: so um you so see the genealogy why I fits in there i mean part i was i was already talking over you I just wanted to to say do you do you see why i love her so much already <laughs> I mean family history organization right and then but what the the name of your business well the it's peace of mind organizing and i love yes. i love that you call it that um because I just think that's so true organization when you know where something is and you know where to go to find what it is you want to find that, that is the word you use to describe how that feels is peace. Yes, it's like, absolutely. Feels like, Okay. This is good. This is right. This is how it's supposed to be. So I love that. And you're right that for me, and I, this is just, I'm just being honest. I have loved stories my whole life. I have, I, I remember as a young girl listening to grandma and grandpa. I loved hearing them. And I keep saying to myself, when I get old, I will for sure start doing, right, genealogy. Like I'll make this official and it's the organization piece that scares me. I don't, I honestly don't. So I'm just excited to learn from you is what I'm, is what I'm trying to say. Well, that's
1: very cool. And there's no reason to wait until you get old to do genealogy, of course. I mean, I I guess there's. (laughs) But there's a reason to wait until you have time, perhaps. But in fact, I wish I had started it when I was much younger so I could have talked to my parents more about and heard their stories more. And by the time I got into it, they were old older and their memories are starting to fade. So I didn't get as much from them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So if you're younger than Janine and I, please talk to people. <laughs> please talk yes. to your parents and your grandparents and your aunts and your uncles and ask them questions and Write down what they say. Okay, Janine, you know this, but some of my listeners might not. October is National Family History Month. So I just wanna know from your just opinion, um, why do you think genealogy and family history are so dang popular? And you've been working with clients for a very long time. So what is it that draws them, the, the people that you've worked with and all of us, why are we so drawn to our past? What is it that we want?
1: It's, an, it's a fun question, isn't it? I think um, my understanding is that genealogy sort of exploded in popularity at the time that Alex Haley published the book Roots and then the mini-series Roots came out in the 70s. And I think the idea that we are connected to history, that's what draws me anyway. Um, I think knowing our connections to our, our the history of our country or our ancestors' countries um, is huge. And I know I love history, but when I can... Relate something I'm learning about something that happened in history to my own ancestors. It brings it alive. It makes all the difference in the world. Um, so I think that that's maybe a big part of it. And then the other part is that it, you get to be Nancy Drew. I mean, you're it is so much fun to to be a detective. At least for me, I love it. Um, so I think for me, those are the two things. It's that connection with history and. Knowing your ancestors is really cool. Making, them, I mean, they're that they're actually people, individual people who had lives, um, uh, and the genealogy, of course, then allows you to do that. So I don't know if it's just my opinion or how what works for me.
0: Yeah, there there is this point where, and I am there. I'm just not there in terms of doing the research and keeping track of it, but I'm there mm-hmm. in terms of now looking at names. Let's say on a family group sheet or a pedigree chart or a family tree and knowing that they that they lived I mean that sounds so dumb but I'm like they were people right like what Mm -hmm. did they I just I just love that thinking about them and how there's so much like I just have connected with a couple of great grandmothers just through the stories that I have knowing that we're so much alike in so many different ways and yet our lives could not be any more different You know what I mean? Like they're so vastly different. And at the same time, so many of the things that we're doing are similar. And it's just so fascinating to me that that connection that I feel once, you know, once I read a couple of the stories, I was just like, wow. Anyway.
1: Yeah, that's that's very cool. Yeah. And the thing is, so you can look at a family pedigree chart um, and you see names and birth dates and death dates which is great, but, and you see how people are connected, but those, it's those stories, right? That you're Mm -hmm. talking about that where you you get to sort of feel how they were, get a sense of what they were like, that makes it so special.
0: Mm -hmm. And when you, I did a little project in my house um, a number of years ago, I just got little pictures. Like I just Googled them or I got them from the, what's it called? Where you legally go get pictures. (laughs) I can't think Mm -hmm. right now. But like, I, I know I have some ancestors on my husband's side who fought in the civil war. So I found, you know, I, I got the name of the battle for sure that they fought in. And then I found a little picture of it and I framed that and I have, um, uh, my father-in-law worked, um, on the, the project that put man on the moon. So I took a picture of, of, you know, Neil Armstrong on the moon, you know, just kind of these That's a few really of cool. these, seven or eight of these sort of big historical moments. And then I just put the words next to it on the wall next to these little pictures, and it just says, we were there. And so that's kind of, I just loved how you said you love history and you love genealogy, but that's when, when history comes alive too, when you think, wait a second, someone that I'm related to fought in that war, in that battle. And all of a sudden your curiosity is just off the charts, right? And you're trying to find anything you can, thinking that this is, maybe this is what he or she experienced, or maybe this. And so I just love how it that it brings everything together like that. So, okay, Janine, if someone's listening and they are brand new, brand spanking new, zero experience with family history, um, where do you suggest they begin? And then truly help me, please. How do they keep it organized (laughs) so that they can keep doing it, at least in my life? It's not something I can do every day. So how do I get started and, and get it organized so that I can pick it up and put it back down? when I need to keep it doable. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, as far as getting started, I think we, we touched on already. I think the first thing to do is to talk to your living relatives and get those stories, record them. And we're, we're lucky now we have iPhones or whatever, and we can just record them. And then later mm-hmm. you can transcribe them. You can even use auto you know technology to transcribe if you want, if you don't want to take the time to actually type the words. But getting those um, stories is so important. And but they may or may not be accurate, these stories, right? So what I always suggest is um, using those as starting points then to verify. So now you've got a little blueprint, you have all these things that you learned, let's go verify them with the actual genealogy research, with finding documents and so forth. For most people, that's gonna be online. Um, that's, it's so easy to do things online now. And, and if you're just brand new, then probably familysearch.org, which is the LDS website, amazing free genealogy um, resource is a great way to go uh, because it's it can be a little tricky to navigate once you get used to it it is and it can feel a little overwhelming um, but there's so much information available there in in actual images of actual documents that can verify the information that your relatives told you and as far as organizing it goes I, I tend to think that uh the, it's really nice to think about that from the very beginning. So it's a good question to start with. Like, do you want to organize things uh, digitally or on paper? And I personally came have come around to digital is what works for me. So I'd much rather download a document from FamilySearch and then file it on my hard drive than print it and file it in a file cabinet because that's just okay. less work. And then it's accessible. It's in my computer. I have access to it all the time. I can even look on my phone and find a document. So make that choice, and then you know set up a framework. So for me, that means having a consistent file naming protocol for each file. Because when you download a file, it comes in this crazy alphanumeric gobbledygook that you can't tell what's in it. But um, you can create a, a file name that works for you, that's easy to remember, that tells you maybe the year, the type of document, that ancestor, maybe the location. And then have a place in your hard drive to file it. Because I know when I started out, I was always afraid if I downloaded a document, I'd never find it again. Which So I felt more comfort in printing it. But that's like, just more work and more costly and more it takes up trees and all that stuff so mm-hmm. um but the key i think is to always always if you when you get information to note where you got it that's where many beginners fail and then also to just have a place where you can put not you're not gathering documents right you, that's not what we talked about we're not just looking for a, a list of dates where we're gathering information and i like to use software other people might want to use online family trees i like having software on my computer i i I happen to use reunion which is a mac based software um, where i record everything and then i uh, every bit of information i get that off these downloaded documents goes into the software and then i have it at my name of the software
0: is reunion Reunion. that's the one i use yeah
1: there are lots of different ones there's family tree maker and roots magic but reunion i like because it was written for mac um and it's worked for me but i've never used anything else so
0: i am mac based so and i've never heard mm-hmm. that there was one written specifically for mac so i am so yeah. glad you said that okay. so i'm going to put a link to that in the show notes for sure Good. Good. awesome okay so see that's something you just already taught me so i'm going to find a document let's say to verify an event so let's just say it's a death certificate right that will mm-hmm. verify when someone died maybe grandma told me that her mom or whatever, right? I find the document that verifies that and then you're, I'm going to keep the document in my hard drive, but then I'm going to use the software to report that I found it and note where I found it.
1: Yeah, and to put the death date, so you would have in the software a tree and that, that person, you'd have, they'd be in there and in their record, you would have their death date, which you would then say, I got that information from this death certificate. And you could also say I got that information from a conversation with grandma. And then you might also, in that death certificate, find Mm -hmm. out their cause of death, their birth date, their parents' names, their um, uh, uh, burial site, and all that can go, you know, pick all the meat off the bones from that death certificate, put it all in your software, all with that same source citation, and then then you can trust your software. Then when you see 10 years later that that person died on this date, you don't have to think, oh, I I guess I knew that at the time, you can see oh, I found that in this death certificate, in this cemetery record, in this newspaper article, and so forth.
0: Okay. And now this was not on my list of questions to ask you, Janine, but you just sparked something for me. Um, So there's this box that I'm going through for my mom, and that was the genesis of the class that I taught. And I found an envelope with some really great photos of my mom's grandma. So there weren't a lot of photos that I had seen of her. And on the back, her name is Lorena, but it's just Rena for short, capital R-E-N-A, was written, you know, and Mm -hmm. I don't recognize it as my mom's writing. So I'm almost going to assume it was her mom. Anyway, I had gotten on family search and someone had changed the spelling of her name. And I'm like, no, that's not her name. Her name is Lorena. And she went by Rena. And then, you know, and I wanted to change it. And then the little, you know, there's that little box that says, how do you know this? And I just didn't feel confident enough to say I've got the picture and on the back, yeah. but I don't know. Maybe that isn't trusted. You know what I mean? Like yeah,
1: that's it, not necessarily enough. Right. That, Cause you don't know who wrote it or when they wrote it. Um, yeah. I, I remember writing a blog post about a picture I found and honestly, I don't remember what was written on the back, but I recognized that it was my mother in that picture. Cause I know what she looked like yeah. back then. Right. And, um, It was just so whatever was written on the back oh no that was it it wasn't that it was wrong it just said something really generic but anyway labels on photos are as good as the labeler so but then you bring something up that's interesting which is that the family search tree is a community or a world you know it's shared tree so anybody can go in and change maybe i'm a little bit of a control freak but that drives me insane right so um i i always take everything on the tree, as, as a grain of salt, and just look straight at the source documents that document anything that's on that tree. I use it as a place to find source documents. The tree, in and of itself, isn't a source though, because anybody can put anything they
0: want. Because it is, it's a global tree. Like so, there's yeah. good things about that, but then that you want to make sure right. that you're not trusting it in that sense. So I yeah, it. so I that's was, another yeah. reason to have like a software on your computer. So you're you're learning online and gathering and verifying, and then you're creating your own verified yeah, that, records. Right. That's what I do. That's what gives me comfort. Yeah. And that's where I'm at. That's where I need to start. So I'm, yeah. Okay. This is awesome for me. I'm very excited. (laughs) I've already mentioned this, but I am a lover of stories, all kinds of stories. Um, So I have two questions for you. First, I'm wondering if you could share a story that maybe has stayed with you recently, maybe something you've come across and then why? And then next, if um, if there aren't any written stories, and this is true for a couple of the lines that I'm curious about, help me and my listeners understand how does the research that we do, how can that help us fill in the blanks and create more of a story? Because I just want the story.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're, you're all about the story. Well, I will uh, say that in my family, there are virtually no stories. I mean, I'm privy to virtually no stories. Like okay. we never, this weren't storytellers and I didn't hear, or I didn't, maybe I heard stories and never listened to them. Probably. My yeah. grandmother used to tell me great stories. Now that I think about it, I never pressed save on them. I'm so angry. Yeah. By the time I started doing genealogy research, she was gone. But so there was one family history that somebody did that got me started on this. And, and, but I take everything he's in, that's family history with a grain of salt because it has no sources. Again, it's just a starting point. So um, all my stories come from from my research. So the story that popped to mind when you uh, when you told me you were going to ask me that question is my second great-grandfather, George Washington Adams. So he was my father's great-grandfather. Um, okay. And uh, he was a Civil War veteran. And so okay. I was able to get my hands on his pension uh, file, which was okay. of, um, over 100 pages. I mean, it was oh. this thick file. I had to pay extra because it was so big and um so i read i actually transcribed the whole thing so i i got to know it really well and so it was all mostly about his later life which was that he ended up at the disabled the home for disabled soldiers and somebody there turned him in and said he's not as disabled as he says he is he doesn't deserve this much pension and so he fought back and there were affidavits and it just went on and on and uh it was fascinating and he was a he was a a cocky guy. Anyway, he ended up losing. So he left and um, went on to live with his various adult children, moving from child to child, probably because he sounds like he was challenging to live with. He would keep moving when his, and expecting his pension check and it wouldn't arrive and then he'd have moved on. So he was always writing letters to the pension office, which is why it's all in this file. He would, he would send a telegram to his senator U.S. senator say, I don't have my pension file. I mean, my pension check yet. And the senator would write to the pension office and get him his check. He was something else. So that was a starting point for me to do more research about him when he was younger. And I learned that he and all this is just through doing genealogy research that he um, he had his family and his wife died. My great great grandmother, he got had a second family and he got uh, his last child was born on his 67th birthday. And he, yeah, he got divorced when he was 75 and had custody of his 12 year old son. And then he went to the old soldier's home. So shortly thereafter. So I think his son went to live with his half brothers who were adults and um, he became a politician and he became a judge. And he was just, and, and all this came out of newspaper research, pension file research, um, and just, you know, the good old genealogy stuff. So I've created stories that I've yet to actually record for others, which is something I need to do because he was somebody people need to know about, <laughs> our family needs to know about. No kid bigger than life, right? That's Yeah, amazing. bigger than life. And he was a little tiny guy from what I can tell. <laughs>
0: Okay, and, see, and you you bring up another thing, yet another thing, and I don't mean to cut you off. You might not even oh, be done. But, no, um, i was done. i was done. Because when I think of research again, which I haven't done a whole lot of, um, I do. I just think of like death certificates and birth certificates and marriage. But there's so many records. So you're when you know finding stories a pension file, and then yeah. you mentioned newspaper. So um, that makes sense now to me that 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 there are stories there, and you just need to. Find them. Yeah,
1: right. Exactly. So it's, it's that detective thing. And then, yeah. you know, verifying. I mean, newspaper articles, as we know, may or may not be accurate, right? Especially obituaries. Obituaries can be great uh, information, but they're not necessarily accurate. Um, yeah. I wrote my father's obituary two months ago, and I put the wrong death date, death date <laughs> in it. Because <laughs> I was all addled from grief, I got I, it. I was. I put the wrong month. I put it. It was an impossible date that I put in there, so it got corrected. Oh but in any case, um, finding multiple sources of information for as many facts as you can is a is a great practice in genealogy yeah. research because you sort of do have to really be critical, and when you're analyzing evidence, and don't just take like, that family story or that one newspaper article. As fact, you you might find contradictory information, and then you have to evaluate which is more likely to be true, or find more information to figure it out.
0: So I'm when you discover then an important document um, or source, something that you feel is important, then we, and we kind of talked about this like where you're putting it. But what what should you do with it? Let's say there's someone who's not really into genealogy yet; they're they're like me, they're a memory keeper, and they come across a box, you know, yeah. and there's this stuff, and I, I just don't want people. To just like you know like kind of like i am doing you know it's taken me a couple years to go through this box but i don't want to just go oh isn't that neat look at both sides and put it in my own little filing system what should we be doing with this potentially verifying resources These right
1: so i think yeah you might have a valuable document in that box right that somebody mm-hmm. who is doing serious research would be really thrilled about or even someone who isn't doing research we just think was really cool i think it's tricky right because there's so many ways to share and I think what, what I would suggest is is to sort of get in touch with what's important to you. So is it important to you to have something that your grandchildren will be able to look at? Because I think you have grandchildren, right? I do. I too? all of a sudden. Yeah, right. Congratulations. And so, um, or is it that you want to reach your non-tech savvy um, aunt, who you okay. know, maybe like my father and not have the internet. So I mean you think about who you want to reach in a way that would work for them without getting too wrapped up in perfectionism around it, because perfectionism might stop you from doing anything, right? If you want mm. if you think, oh, I've got to do this perfectly. I've got to find just the right way. But it might be something as simple uh, it depends what you have, right? But you might create a beautiful photo book in on Snapfish or something or mm-hmm. whatever you like, whatever service you like to use, or it might be writing out short family history profiles of various relatives from what you gleaned from your box. Or it might, if, if I'm remembering correctly, you suggest creating a timeline, right? Based on what mm-hmm. you find in the box. That was yeah. you. Yeah. So um, that's a great thing right there. Just that timeline is something wonderful to share. Yeah. And you know that the trick, this tricky thing is it can be as big as it as a book you know, you can write a whole book about your family or it could be as small as an email but the, the yeah. thing is to not is to just go to just share and then share make sure you create a source for everything you're sharing so in the case of your box you've got it you've got this source because it's a piece of paper on you but if you're doing genealogy research you want the people who read it to trust it so this guy that whose genealogy whose family history i found in 2000 from my mother's side of the family who sourced nothing It was a great starting point for me, but that's all it was. But if he had put sources on it, then it would have been way more than that. It would have been something I could trust. You know, you don't have to be all in kind of like I am. You you just want to be accurate, right? And you want to be generous. And um, you don't know what other people are going to find cool or not. And I know that lots of genealogists complain because nobody in their family cares. Like we get so much into the the details. And, Mm -hmm. um, and if we don't think about how it's going to be received, we have we have we risk turning people off. So thinking about how who the recipient of the information is, or it could be make a blog, a family blog and let people or a family Facebook group, let people contribute what they have as well. Um, So there's no one right way to do it. That's for sure. Uh, Just doing
0: something is better than nothing doing something. I love that. So I'm just thinking as I'm going through the, you know, the file box and finding things, And what I've been doing is just, you know, scanning. And, and of course I'll upload it to, to family search, but I like the idea where maybe I have a blog already. What if I just start reporting some things on the blog, right? And then, yeah.
1: And when I write about my family on my blog, which isn't that often, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Uh, no, didn't, oh. um, I usually go out of my way to put the full name and birth and death dates of anybody I'm talking about. Okay. So that even if it's just a story about, you know, if I'm talking about my great great grandfather, George Washington Adams, I'll put, you know, 1845 to 1937 after his name. And okay. So in a Google search, somebody might find that.
0: This is why I'm talking to Janine. This is awesome. I have a blog story, so I'm going to go back and do that. Just put, so birth and death date behind everyone's name, or at least the first time you say their name, then you make sure you mm-hmm. put it there. Okay. Right. Yeah, that's you amazing. might you might get cut, find cousins you didn't know about that way, right? If someone yeah. out there is like, look, I'm not the genealogist, but I just found you know a letter that appears to have a lot of verifying information, or I just found a document. What should this person do with that document to make it available to maybe someone who is actively searching? If they're not really into genealogy
1: research and don't want to spend money on Ancestry, I mean, I think you can have a tree on Ancestry that you could upload files too, without paying. I've never had, a, I've never not paid Ancestry, okay. so I'm not sure. Um, okay. Family Search, you can certainly add documents to. I think picking the one that sort of is, has the user interface that works with your mind. What I don't do and feel I should be doing is, it, it wouldn't be hard for me to do it either. I use Ancestry a lot, is when I download a document to also attach it to my tree. Um, but that would be an easy way for me to share, because I keep my tree public. On Ancestry, you can have private trees. And I personally think, I know my uh, research is accurate, so I have no problem making it public. People worry that other people will steal their facts that they work so hard to get, but I don't, that's not my concern that, I have. Isn't
0: that kind of the point? <laughs> yeah, I, I kind, kind of, of feel trees. that way too.
1: Yeah. Um, so okay. some people keep their trees private, and if you find... That but Ancestry will give you a search result that's in a private tree. You can reach out to the tree okay. holder, and probably they'll let that's you. That's what I see wondered. It.
0: Okay, so it does still it's still part of their search algorithm. It'll bring it up, and then you can say, Hey, so and so turns out that we have a shared interest in right. this person. Okay, if you
1: do it, if you get your DNA done at Ancestry, and you have a tree, then they will work hard to try to match. You know, help you give you clues related to your DNA and so forth. So. I have lots of matches. I haven't done a whole lot with it yet, but that's another potentially another reason to choose Ancestry if that's you know if that's yeah. what your interest is. A lot of people just do DNA to get their ethnicity estimates, which is interesting. Um, yeah. But I did it to try to um, find cousins, and so Ancestry was the place that made sense for me to do it because that's where the cousin seekers are, right? Okay. Versus okay. like versus Twenty Three and Me or something like that.
0: Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, that's so interesting. Okay. And I forget about that. There's that whole nother avenue of just give some, if you don't know what to give someone for Christmas this year, you give them a DNA test because really that opens up, you know, all of this, it opens up your past literally. And, and, you know, these potential connections, because I did do 23andMe and you know one day i opened up the app and clicked on something something and and here's this message from a woman in england and she goes it looks like we're third cousins you know and i was like third cousins you know so you know we we had this kind of exchange going back and forth and that was exciting i wasn't i I wasn't looking for cousins but here you know someone found me so yeah yeah
1: it is exciting And, and i one year went straight from roots tech to visit my parents they live in washington state and got yeah. them to do uh, DNA tests, so that's something to think about. Um, but yeah, so I personally use Ancestry most. I do use Family Search, not their tree as much as their incredible repository of documents. They've done an amazing job of digitizing documents, so I use them a lot as well. And then okay. the other ones, My Heritage or Find My Past, I have less experience with, but only because it's easy to get overwhelmed.
0: Yeah, <laughs> So right. uh, yeah. And you're the yeah. person who's going to help us not get overwhelmed, so. <laughs> Right, trying to. <laughs> I love how you said that. Pick the one whose interface just seems to work like your mind works, and then just stick with it. And you don't have to worry that you're not playing in the other sandboxes. You can just, like, this is where exactly. I go. And I like that you said I'm using one more as a search engine almost, and then I'm keeping, you know, what I create and discover over here. So, yeah. And if,
1: it, you know, if if I can't find something in Ancestry, I will look at Family Search and, yeah. and vice versa. I mean, My they family. oftentimes, well, the other thing is now we're getting little detailed, but oftentimes they'll have both We're positive, both of them will have the same information scan separately. And so sometimes the scan on one is better than a scan on another. So like if you get a bad yeah. scan, which happens, yeah. um, if you look at the other one, you might get
0: a, a good scan. Okay. That's so. okay. See, that's not information that, that I know, or I'm most of my listeners know. So that's, that's actually really good. I love it. Okay, so let's be honest now. <clears throat> now you got me a little excited, and I'm kind of thinking, okay, I got to verify, I got to document where I found stuff and things I'm going to do different. Where do people like me trip up? And just people, like what maybe is the number one reason or top reasons that maybe your clients or people like me, we dive in with tons of enthusiasm and then we do get overwhelmed and discouraged with this whole effort? And then what would be the solution for that? I just want to know ahead of time, how are you going to help me? (laughs) You know, right. Well,
1: I think that we get just like you said, we get all excited and we start searching and we find these documents and maybe we download them and then we go on to the next thing. And Mm. if all we have is a bunch of downloaded documents on our uh, hard drives and we don't go through the documents, pick out all those facts, record them somewhere, create a source citation, then at some point. We're going to say, wait a minute, I have all these these files I never did anything with. And then okay. the thought of going through them feels completely overwhelming. Or or sometimes I'll be like, oh, I thought I already had that fact. Why isn't it in my software? Oh, yeah, I never processed it. It's on my hard drive. Right? It happens to me all the time. And and I love doing this stuff. So it's really easy to have happen. So that's one thing. I, I think of it as like we have, we have to do research. We're not just searching we're doing research. And if we're just searching and downloading or searching and writing down facts, which is what I did when I started out without putting, telling myself where I got the fact, then it's really easy to lose faith in your research and just falls by the wayside. So being kind to yourself is important, right? Because it's really natural to just keep moving on to the next thing you want to do because it's so much fun. But if you can maybe have a research question in mind, like what year did my great-grandfather die? And then try to stay focused on that question rather than going down all the other clues that you get inundated by. That's yeah. helpful. And then when you get that death certificate, go ahead and process it, you will know, rename it, process it, file it. And, yeah. and by process, I mean take the facts and put them in the software, then move on to the next thing. It's a little easier said than done. But I think yeah. that the backlog or just not, not actually looking at all the stuff you find, um, It becomes sort of an empty thing where you realize you're not, you're not actually getting anywhere if all you do is find stuff.
0: Yeah. Okay. That you just said something that was so profound to me that searching is different than researching, right? Mm -hmm. Just, yeah. And so, yeah, you want to put on your researcher hat, just slow it down a little bit and make sure that when you do find that nugget, that you're processing it correctly so that it actually becomes useful. And you're evaluating it. Right, so yeah. you're, you know, it's not
1: just taking everything that that you come across as fact, you know. Um, and think, you know, there's principles like a birth, a birth, cert, a birth date on a birth certificate is more reliable than a birth date on a death certificate for the same person, right? Yeah, because, yeah. yeah, the you know, the closer you are to the time it happened and it was recorded, the more likely it is to be accurate. So you have to, you know, ideally you think about that stuff, and and but also. Have having fun. We're in it. I mean, we're in it to have
0: fun. So having fun is really important. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not trying to take away your fun. <laughs> no, no, not at all. No, you're trying to make my fun worthwhile though, too, which yeah. I think that's what I needed to hear from you today, truly. So this is awesome. Is there anything else that you want to share and then um, just add on to that, uh, how can my listeners find you, follow you or connect with you and like, you know, learn from you or take advantage of, of the services you offer?
1: Sure. Well, as far as anything left to share, I feel like I've thrown a whole lot at you already. But <laughs> just remember, it's uh, genealogy research is fun. And mm-hmm. to be diligent in your research while you're having fun so that you can mm-hmm. trust it and share it. Like you want to share trustworthy research. So that's yeah. it's a, like a filter to think through. Would I pass this on to my cousin who's going to take it as fact? Um, yeah. If not, then work a little harder to get that fact straight so that you can pass it on. Yeah, uh, share with confidence, exactly. Yeah. Share with confidence. And then as far as reaching, get in touch with me. Um, so my blog is organizeyourfamilyhistory.com. I also have a lot of information on there about how I the kind of stuff we talked about today, the, my digital workflow and that sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. you can search on the blog and find that stuff. And I also sell a few guides. I call them orderly roots guides that you can ask, ax- you can buy on the website as well. Um, oh, or nice. if you really and then you want to get more detailed, um, I also have a blog about, or just general organizing home organizing at my, at peace of my business, my organizing businesses website. And, um, then our blog, I mean, our podcast is getting to good enough. Yeah. So getting to I'm
0: excited to listen to that. Getting to good okay. enough. So we'll put all of those links in the show notes as well. But yeah. I just want to thank you so much. And I have one final question for you, but, um, but this has been very valuable for me and I, um, i just having met you in person and now, um, you know, hearing you again, and I'm just reminded that this is I, I need to reevaluate, I need to evaluate some of the things I'm doing because there's so much that I love and so much that I want to pursue and I don't ever lack energy and enthusiasm, but I want to channel some of that a little bit more carefully to make sure that what I'm, yeah, what I'm coming up with in this box in different places that I am taking the time to process it so that I can share with competence. So I love that so much, Denise, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Um, Okay, on my podcast, the, the final question that I ask is I want you to make it personal. So I, Janine, have exactly enough time for what?
1: For doing the things that support my why, for, do, mm-hmm. for doing the things that are important to me.
0: I like that a lot. That's, yeah, awesome. that's how I
1: like to spend my time. That's how I like to filter most things what's important to me. Mm. And then that helps me figure stuff out. Yeah.
0: That's a very prioritizing thing, isn't it? Making yeah. sure that it serves your why. I like that. Yeah. Thank you, friend. I appreciate so much your time. It's been fun to visit. Oh, with you. my
1: pleasure. Absolutely. Your enthusiasm is contagious. It's fabulous.
0: Yours too. I hope to oh, see good. you bump with you again at Roots Tech soon. Okay, one more shout out to Janine. So appreciate her coming on and sharing her insights. I have put my big takeaways from our conversation in the show notes at StacyJulian.com. I've also put links to the resources that Janine shared. And, you know, as I was editing this episode in the back of my mind, I kept thinking, what should I call this? What should the title be? And then at the end, um, Janine talked about sharing with confidence. And I was like, yes, that's exactly what we want to be able to do, right? We want to discover family stories from the past and then we want to do, um, you know, we wanna search and do some research and be able to verify the information in those stories and then document that and cite it so that when we share it, we can share it with confidence and people can view us as a trusted source. I just love that. Okay, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. I will be back very soon with another episode of Exactly Enough Time.